to the Feed You podcast, giving you the real scoop on raising your business to new heights. Expert education, inspiration, and motivation to fuel your purpose, your passion, and your profits. Here's your host, Elisa Connor. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Feed You podcast. I'm Elisa Connor. I'm your host. I so appreciate you being here, all you lovely listeners. It is so awesome. Uh, I really love doing the podcast and I love when people reach out to me and tell me how it is impacting their businesses. So thank you so much for tuning in every week. I know you have um, a lot of demands on your time and I just, I really appreciate you tuning in. If you are a new listener, welcome. I appreciate you finding me and would love to hear from you on Instagram about, um, how you found me. That's always good to know. But also, you know, if you have questions regarding content marketing or email marketing or anything around your sales funnel, reach out to me on Instagram, Elisa M. Connor. And also, if you're a loyal listener, I'd love to hear feedback from you or just, you know, start a conversation. It'd be great to talk to you um, find out, you know, how you're utilizing what I, what I um, present to you in these podcasts and how it's impacting your business. That's really what, really what I want to know. I want to make sure that it's, um, you know, when you're implementing the the strategies and ideas and learning that you get here, I want to know about your success because we have got to support each other. This is a, can be a very lonely world when you have your own business. So if you've been tuning in, um, you probably are aware that I have been talking about story branding for quite a while. I'm going to switch gears this week and I want to start talking about um, content. And we talked a little bit about content last week in regards to um, story branding, but I really want to talk to you about content and what that looks like, the different formats and how to create content that people actually want to read and actually engage with. Because if you're creating content and you're spending a lot of time, content creation takes a lot of time. And um, regardless of what kind you're doing, and regardless of uh, how you're promoting that, it, it takes time. You've got to plan it. You've got to, you know, um, either record it or write it. You've got to start promoting it. There, there's just a lot of steps behind it. So I want to make it easier for you to create, not only create that content, but get some engagement and get some people consuming that content on a regular basis. Before we get started, a word from our sponsor. One of the biggest frustrations I hear from business owners on a regular basis is, I need more clients. And I get it. Every business struggles with getting new clients until you know how to do it. The problem is, is you spend your time networking and going to events and making phone calls that don't go anywhere. You're out trying to attract people to you when there is a much easier way. Growing your email list is so important because it fills your list with potential clients who actually want to hear from you and it gives you the ability to reach out to them on a regular basis and share what you have to offer. To grow your email list, you have got to have a great free download. Sign up for our free newsletter isn't working anymore. You've got to create a download that piques their interest, gets them to take action, and adds them to your list. Sounds easy, right? Of course it's not easy. That's exactly why I created my new free training to help you create an awesome free download. You can sign up at elisaconnor.com forward slash create my freebie. 
This live training is going to present the five easy steps that I've used with my clients to help them go from hot mess marketing to growing an email list that they consistently get sales from. So you don't want to miss this training. Head on over to alisaconnor.com forward slash create my freebie and sign up today. I'll see you inside. So step number one to, um, and this is going to, this is going to go to the Wayback machine. I always tell, um, I tell my kids, we're going to go into the Wayback machine and I don't even know that that's a thing, but I think it's funny. Um, but this is going to take us back to the foundations and uh, one of the key components of, of branding your business is really determining who your ideal client is. And I think people get really, they can get lost here when, when we're talking about ideal client, but it really is important for you to get specific about who it is you help. And the more specific you can get, the more traction you're going to get. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a single white female who's 37 and, you know, get really that specific, but really getting clear on what is that one characteristic that most of your previous clients or the people that you want to work with have. And so for me, that characteristic is I... um, I really enjoy working with people who are, I call them my corporate escapees. And so they're really intelligent people. They, um, they have a lot going on. They're self-motivated. Um, they're really good at what they do, but they don't have a lot of the skills that were not taught in corporate. And that is, you know, how to build a business, how to market a business, how to create offerings, how to build a sales funnel. Because when you're in corporate, you have all of those components created for you. You have different departments that do all those things. So you've got a human resources department, you've got an accounting department, you have a marketing department, you have a sales department. Um, When you become an entrepreneur, you are now all of those departments. And so most of the people that I've really enjoyed working with have worked in a corporate setting of some sort at one point in their life. And they're very polished. um, And they're really good at what they do. What they're not good at is making less work for themselves. And so if you can get really clear like that in who it is you're trying to serve with your product or service, and I I use the word serve a lot because I think if you're coming from a place of, I just want to make money, you're going to have a really hard time gaining traction. Um, People can feel that energy. They can feel that um, air about you. And really when you're in in a position of, owning your own business, whether you're a small business or an entrepreneur, coming from a place of service and how can you help the people um, that you want to help with your gift and how can you um, make them more uh, prepared to work with you or whatever that looks like. Um, If you can come from that centered piece and that centered part of your being, you will have no problem attracting people. When you go out, um, and I've seen this again and again, but When you go out with the attitude of, I just want to sell as many people into my product or service as possible, you're going to have a really hard time, one, gaining traction, two, getting clients, and three, um, having long-lasting relationships. And one of my um, future episodes, I think, I I can't remember, I've talked about lifetime customer value and how significant that is in your business. And... Um, you know, it, it is much harder to go out and get a bunch of new customers than it is to actually take care of the customers that you already have. 
And so determining, you know, if you have a customer who purchase, say, purchases, say, a $99 product from you, and then you can move them through a sales funnel where they have spent, you know, $1,000 a year or $2,000 a year or, you know, creating a um, revolving um, spend with them, then you can calculate what, what is the lifetime value of, of that customer? What does that turn into? Because it's not then a one-time purchase. And at that point, you're also creating a relationship with them. And so you've seen it, I'm sure, with some of the people that have done really well in the online marketing space. But, you know, they, they might create a small product and then their next product offering is quite a bit higher. And then they're moving to a, a product offering that's either more expensive or um, that is a revolving income stream. So something like a membership or something like that. Um, where people are paying monthly to be connected to them. And when you calculate that lifetime customer value, so let's use an example of um, somebody who has a consulting business. So maybe you have a $99 product that is just a, a quick win. And um, it could be like a quick webinar for how to, um, I'm trying to come up with one off the top of my head. Let's let's say you're a gardener, or a gardening company and you have a quick, quick win on um, six steps to set up your hydroponic garden. And that is your course. You've created, you know, six videos and you walk them through how to set it up and how to get their first harvest out of hydroponic gardening. Well, then maybe the next piece is that they they got it set up, but they're still not like all of their lettuce is yellow and they're, they have a lot of problems. So they want to hire you um, in a group coaching session. Yeah, and so you have a groups uh, group coaching that is instead of ninety nine dollars, it's um, five hundred dollars for six sessions. Let's just say. Um, so you've already you know five times your revenue with just that increase, and so um, that group session then they still need a little bit more help, and so then they move to a uh, individual coaching program with you and say it's a, a two-month coaching program that turns them into the green thumb of the neighborhood and yada, 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 and you charge $1,500 for that. So now you've, again, three times it. So if you look at the lifetime customer value, currently they went from a $99 investment to over $2,000 with you. And so you can see how you can easily and more quickly scale and grow your business when you are looking at lifetime customer value versus per product value. Um, <clears throat> so I kind of went on a tangent there, but being aware of who that client is makes you much more aware of what that journey looks like for your customer and what their final outcome is so that you can create more effective products and services and also messaging around what you're um, presenting. So <clears throat> when you're creating that content, whether it's a blog post or a email blast or a um, live video or tutorial or audio training or ebook or whatever it might be, whatever kind of content you're creating to drive new traffic, being aware of who you're creating it for and really being aware of, you know, what they want to learn, um, how their fears and problems affect them and are stagnating them or keeping them stuck. Um, but also anything you can know about them inside and out. 
So if your ideal client has small children, you are going to want to relate to them having small children and probably not having a lot of extra time. If you um, use a lot of industry language instead of um, plain speak, you're going to have a hard time creating content for your ideal client because they're not going to speak industry language. And if they do, they may pretend to understand it, but not really understand it, or they may just tune out. So be really aware of how you're creating content, the information you're putting into that content, and just trying to make it as simple as you can for people to um, consume it, engage with it, and move further through the sales process with you. The second tip I have for you in creating really good content is to use some really valuable tools. And I'll link to all of these in the show notes. Um, but tools that help you determine, you know, what content is out there. Um, if there's content that's created, but it's missing like maybe an update or it's missing some key information that you know about. And also just content that is not, hasn't been created yet. Um, there is so much content out there. It's hard to believe that there'd be anything that's not created. However, if you look at content, so you may have somebody that gives you seven, seven tools for creating content, but they don't do a, um, tutorial on how to use any of those tools. So maybe you could be the person that picks one of those tools you go out and you learn everything about it. And then you create a tutorial piece on how to use that tool and how it impacted your business. That is valuable. Um, And so I wanted to give you, I have one, two, three, four different tools that you can use to to identify content that's out there and also missing content. There are some other paid tools. I wanted to stick to the free tools. Um, There's some really expensive SEO tools out there um, that if you are making, you know, pretty good money in your business, you may want to invest in. But if you don't want to become the SEO expert and not really invest in those tools and do it yourself, you may just want to hire an SEO expert. Um, and just do some, you know, fine tuning around questions that you ask before you hire them. Um, two of the paid tools that uh, that come to mind that I think the starting point is around $100 a month. That's just the lowest entry point for each of them is SEMrush, S-E-M Rush. And you can go in and do any kind of SEO research in that tool that you could dream up. So anything from putting in keyword term, seeing what kind of content is created for that term. And um, also, you know, any kind of um, engagement that may have happened with that content. And then the other one is Ahref. And so it's A-H-R-E-F. And it's also a paid service, but you can actually go into links of all that content that you just found on SEMrush and see you know, who has shared it, who's linked to it, um, and all kinds of data information that you may or may not be ready to go into. So if all of this has confused you, um, just step away for a second, take a deep breath, and realize that you can hire an expert to help you with this. Um, I am not an SEO expert, but I do believe in at least giving you some ground information so you know what to ask. But the tools, the four tools that I'm thinking of are tools that number one are free and number two will give you um, invaluable insight into places um, and questions and ideas that you may not have thought of to create some content. Number one is um, one of my favorite sites is called Answer the Public and they have done such a great job at marketing their um, and branding their website. It's this cranky guy and I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but it's this cranky guy, you type in a question and the free version gives you a limited number of searches. 
it's not that many. I think they have decreased the number because I used to be able to go in and do like 40 searches and it would never lock me out. But now I feel like I do maybe about 10 and it locks me out, which is understandable. They have a paid program um, and I don't have the pricing off the top of my head. But if you just go to answerthepublic.com, you can go into the tool. But what's great about this is it will actually pull up all the different questions that um, are asked about that specific topic. So let's say, for example, um, you put in the topic massage, like you wanted to learn about um, hot stone massage. Well, Answer the Public would not only give you every question that is asked about that on a regular basis, um, but it would also give you related questions, related ideas, um, etc. that you could then create blog posts around. So definitely check out Answer the Public. Also, um, Google predictive search. So the, the key or the trick with Google predictive search is that you want to make sure that all of your browsing data is deleted because otherwise it'll use your previous searches that you uh, have done recently in the search criteria when it's creating, um, you know, search results. But if you just go in and, and clear out your break, your browsing data, you can actually go in and as you start to type in whatever keyword or whatever phrase you're wanting to create content about into the search bar, you'll see that below it, um, it'll list out, you know, probably six, seven, eight different um, autofill solutions. Those are all things that you should write down and keep um, a, a list of or notes of or whatever that are things that people search for. It's called predictive search because enough people have searched for those items that um, they're predicting that that is what you're going to you're going to search for too. So those are great places to start. I always say if you're going to choose a predictive search term though, Go ahead and run the search and just see what content is out there already. And when you do that, um, you can go in. This is actually a great way to do it is to pick one of those terms that is of most interest to you. So um, let's use our hot stone massage. So say you put in hot stone massage for pregnant moms and you go in and you just see how many um, articles are written on that topic and maybe there's none. And so you know, well, that's a great article to write because there's no top, there's none showing up already. Um, or if there's a bunch that show up that are, you know, massage but don't have to do with pregnant moms, and you also know that needs to be an article that's written. Um, also, you can go into the articles that have been written and you can see one, how old they are, and two, um, based on how they rank, you know, you want to probably choose the first three. And you can go in and see if there are any comments in there. If there are, that gives you an idea of things that are resonating with people. Um, or if there are questions in the comments, you can look at those. But more importantly, you can evaluate that article, read through it and see if they have missed anything. And if they have missed something, um, there's a great way for you to create content is fill in the gap, fill in that missing part. And so Google predictive search can, um, you can get lost over there. <laughs> easily, but it also gives you some great ideas for content that one is needed and two that is being searched for. Um, Pinterest search. Now I haven't, I'm, I love Pinterest, but I get lost over there too. Um, but it's really a great search um, tool for research if you can keep from pinning. <laughs> and if you're creative like me, that could be difficult, but give yourself a time limit. But 
They will also do um, suggested search terms if you put in a term in the search bar. So for example, if you were doing hot stone massage, you could put that in as your search term again, and it will pop up with little boxes underneath that term of other um, suggested ideas or suggest uh, suggestions for topics. So you can either write those down or you could click on that and then see if it gives you additional ideas, but that would give you um, another option. So Pinterest is the third choice for you to go out and do a little bit of research on content that could be missing. And then last but not least, Facebook. Um, Facebook search is very powerful as well. Um, any of the social media search channels, but specifically Facebook, you can find out, um, you, know, you can search by post, you can search by group, you can search by people. And you can see um, what's really nice about Facebook is you can see what kind of engagement is happening on that search term. And if there are a lot of groups created, you can go in and, and see um, you know, what's being posted in those groups or you can find a group and join. Um, <clears throat> pages, uh, you can just go in. There's, it's tons of ways to research and this is a rabbit hole you can quickly go down and lose yourself in. So I would say you know, definitely set yourself a time limit have an idea of what you're looking for before you go in there um, based on my next few um, suggestions for creating content. You'll have a better idea of, you know, how to choose what to look for, but give yourself, um, you know, a, a time limit to go in there and do that. And then um, <clears throat> uh, I have a few more tips for you down the line that are, that will help you with that as well. Uh, so my third tip is to get connected with your audience. Um, if you just have a small audience, it's um, go join a couple of Facebook groups and survey the people in those groups. As long as they are people that uh, resonate or are your ideal client, uh, you can get pulled into a rabbit hole with people really quickly if you just go and randomly post in the groups that everybody else posts in. But number one, if you go in and you're asking for opinions and you're asking for feedback, you will stand out much higher than most people in that group because most people just want to sell what they have, um, <clears throat> depending on the group. So when you're creating a survey or a poll, it's, that's much, it's very easy to do in Facebook, but you can also go over to SurveyMonkey and create a poll or survey um, and email it to your audience that way so you can get feedback. And you can ask questions like, what would you like to learn about next? And then give them four options. Um, what, are, you know, what's the biggest problem in your business right now? And, you know, give four options and then an option for them to write in their own um, suggestion. Or you can just leave it, you know, tell me the number one thing that you're struggling with when it comes to social media and leave a blank box and let them answer. Um, this is going to give you tons of idea, not only for content, but for, um, copy for your website and your emails and all that stuff. You can use all of that information to further promote what you're doing as long as you are answering the call to solve that problem. And so when you're creating those surveys, um, another really great place to create those surveys other than just social media posts or on email is in Messenger. So if you've started to use Messenger marketing or chatbot marketing, if you already have subscribers that have subscribed to have you um, contact and communicate with them, you know, send a one question quiz through whatever Messenger 
um, bot creator you have. I use ManyChat and you have the option to go in and just create a quick little survey and you can see how many people are responding in Messenger. People open those Messenger um, chatbots far more often than any other channel at this point. Um, <clears throat> so when you're um, utilizing those, of course, don't be spammy, but you know, if you're using them to actually gather information, people will appreciate that. And you may even have more direct responses, like, um, because it's easy. They can go in, they can see that you created a survey in that messenger bot, and then they want to respond with, oh, you know, what I really want to know is this. And they can just send a message right there and not have to go to, you know, open up an email or whatever it might be. So if you haven't thought about messenger bot marketing yet. Um, I did do an episode early on in the podcast with Kelly Noble Marabella, who is amazing um, with chatbots. But I will also be talking about chatbots coming up um, in episode 45. So in two more episodes, I'm going to go over the benefits of chatbots and creating a good customer service experience. So um, more to come on that. But that is a great place for you to gather some research and start those conversations to figure out different content to create. And then of course, you've got your Facebook groups. If you don't have a Facebook group, you can you know go to other people's, but it's always great to have your own and start building your own audience. And that's a great place to poll. Like I try to poll in mine pretty often to see you know what people are really interested in and what they wanna learn about because then it directs where I go with what I'm creating next. And we always think we know best, but really, if we, if we go in with an attitude of we, we know nothing and we wait for them to tell us, we will be much for, um, quicker on track with creating what people want and delivering what they want. And then last but not least, um, this is kind of a new one as well, but thinking about um, how to create a poll or using a poll in any of the story op, um, functions of those social media platforms. So for example, if you're using Instagram, you have the ability in your Instagram story to add a poll and you can collect data from that poll and it can be a simple yes or no. Um, but it's a great way to get some engagement with people, get people to answer and to um, gather you know, intel on things that are resonating or not resonating with your audience. So those are some places that you can survey and I would highly recommend surveying and finding out information from your audience um, <clears throat> more often than not, because if you do, um, you're going to hit the nail on the head when you do put out that content, regardless of what format you put it out in. My tip number four is to analyze content that you've already created for popularity. You know, what are, what's the content that people always go back to or that you get the most comments on or that people always mention when they see you or, um, and they may not know the exact episode, but they can tell you the arena. So for me, one of the biggest um, topics that I hear the most um, feedback on is email marketing. People really wanna understand email marketing, they wanna use it correctly. And so that is a topic area that I um, have spent a lot of focus on previously on episodes and I will continue to focus on as the questions come in. Um, <clears throat> But you know, being aware of what those are and what is currently resonating, some ways to measure that is you can actually look and see, you know, are there questions that are being asked? Are there, are there certain comments that come up all the time on different posts or um, on your posts? Are there certain comments or questions that come up all the time? Uh, can you create another piece that goes 
along with that email. Like for me, uh, email marketing is uh, is a component. So one of my top episodes was uh, getting writing subject lines to get your emails open. Well, so I extended that and I did a series and I talked about email segmenting and tagging and that was also a hit. And so anything that you can create to uh, continue the conversation and cont- continue the learning on that subject is a great way to keep people engaged and and moving forward with your content and into your sales funnel. And then of course, we are creatures of habit. And so you may write blog posts all the time and think, oh, I love writing blog posts and people read them. And then, you know, maybe, maybe nobody's reading them. And so I'm going to challenge you a little bit to get out of your comfort zone and do something that is not necessarily comfortable to you and maybe try two or three things. So if you're used to posting on Instagram and you are not used to doing Instagram stories, then maybe just adding a story into the mix, you know, once or twice a week to get used to it will increase your engagement and increase um, your audience in giving you feedback and you being able to measure what is resonating and not resonating with them. So that was tip number four, analyze what's currently working. Uh, Tip number four is if you're not getting any traction, um, do, uh, here are some some tips to help you get some more more traction. Start to promote your content. um, And that can be free promotion or it can actually be paid promotion. If you have a Facebook post that does really, really well, it's probably worth boosting that post as long as you have a call to action of some sort in that post that takes them to the next step. You don't want to be paying for ads that you're just putting it out there and hoping and praying that somebody opts into your email. You really want to have um, a clear direction for them to follow. So if they have a post out, if you put a post out there, you want to have um, either a content upgrade, which is, I do that very often in these podcast episodes where I have a guide or a freebie or something to download that goes with the episode. Um, Or you want to have some way, you know, you're directing them to your next um, call to action. If you have an event coming up, you want them to register for the event. If you um, have a a free training that you're going to be offering, or you want them to join your Facebook group, you know, whatever it might be, um, just make sure that you have, if you're going to promote content with Uh, with money, by investing money in ads, you want to make sure that you have a clear call to action that gets them to the next step of your um, strategy. You also might want to try some new channels. We get really comfortable with the channels that we like. Um, I am raising my hand right now because I know that I really need to be spending more time on LinkedIn and um, it's not my favorite. I, I love Instagram, but you know, getting out of my comfort zone and going over to LinkedIn and doing some video and, um, Doing some other things over there is probably going to be much more beneficial for my business than what I'm finding on what keeps me comfortable. So trying new things and getting out there and seeing um, what happens. And I always say, try, measure, and analyze. Because if you just try it and you're not measuring or analyzing what's happening, then you're you're not going to gain any traction because you, you don't have a start point and an, an end point of where you know, what kind of success you've seen in between. So just make sure that you're analyzing. And then, of course, um, I mentioned this before, but you you always need to have the next step in mind, not only for yourself, you know, what's the next step of your strategy, but what's the next step for your customer or your prospect? Um, You know, 
you're if we don't tell them where we want them to go and what what we want them to do next they just won't do it and so then you're stuck in a in a position where you've got um a lot of people you know in your facebook group but nobody's buying we've got a lot of people on your email list that uh, don't open your emails etc etc you get the idea so that's number five if if you aren't having success there's some some ways that you could actually increase your success and get more, get your content in front of more people. And then um, this one should have probably been a little bit sooner, but number six is to keep a running tab or um, document or something of some sort of your ideas. Ideas won't necessarily come to you when you sit down and you're like, oh, I need to write some stuff. That's probably the worst time to try and come up with ideas. Um, So I use a, one of my favorite new tools is Voxer, V-O-X-E-R. And um, it's a way for you to do voice recordings either for yourself or for um, if you have other people that you're connected with on Voxer, you can send voicemails back and forth without having to do it through the phone. You can send pictures, you can send um, typed messages, but that's a great way for you to track ideas. So when you're out and about, a lot of times I have ideas at the most inconvenient times, like walking through the grocery store, I'll just send myself a Vox really quick and I'll document that idea. Um, Also, another time that I get ideas is when I'm out walking or exercising. So again, I put them in a Voxer and then a lot of times I'll take those boxes and I'll add them to, um, I have a running Google Doc where I just capture different ideas in different categories. Um, You could either do a doc or a um, spreadsheet, depending on how your brain works. Um, sometimes it's nice to have a spreadsheet because you can add links and keywords and stu- stuff to the side of it. Um, but wherever you can document that and then turn it into a schedule, that's going to help you. Uh, another place that I've used is the notes app on my phone. I'll just type a quick note and I have a bunch of notes in there. Like if, if I ever lost my phone or somebody had to get into my phone, they'd be like, what is all this nonsense in her notes? Um, but it's where I document those ideas. Um, Another app that I actually forgot about that I that I've used in the past is called Workflowy, and it's just work and then F L O W Y, and you can also document ideas over there. Um, they you can capture websites. It's it's a cool app too. So that's another one, and um, you always wanted to add into that documentation. I think it's a really good idea when you have personal stories that come to mind. You know. You know, everybody goes through experiences and they might have like a horrible customer service experience. Well, as time goes on, you're going to forget about it. Um, but, you know, an example for me was uh, we went out for Mother's Day and we had uh, we had actually one of the best customer service experiences I've had in a really long time at a restaurant. And I was just kind of taking notes of, you know, all of the different things that made that experience exceptional. And it was um the personalized service and the the um, specific recommendations and explanations of the different meals on the menu and you know what made them special and why you know we would want to consider that for our entree versus something else and um, just really catered to and uh, a lot of I, I think when you have really good customer service like they had, it stands out so much more because the majority of customer service in, especially in dining is so bad at this point 
that when you have excellent customer service, you just shine like a beaming star. And so I would utilize that to, you know, talk about later on and relate it to business in the way that, you know, if you become a shining star with your customer service experience, and I actually have a, a customer service podcast coming up. So I'm not going to go into that too much right now. But you could I could save that story for that episode and talk about, you know, the different things that they did to create an experience versus just a, a transaction. And so document those personal stories because you don't know how they're going to fit in. But if you stick them in that, you know, whatever content form that you decide to, you know, put your ideas down in, if you put that in there, you'll be able to look through it later and go, oh, yeah, I, I remember that I can fit that here. Um, so it's a great way. It's just great to document that because you never know where things might fit in later. So just make sure you're keeping a running document of, of those story ideas and of um, those ideas you have for different pieces of content because they will come to you at very odd times and it won't be convenient. But if you have that set up and you're ready and you're prepared, you can just add those uh, ideas into that document. Number seven is, this is really important, but just to become a really good listener, um, people want to be heard. They want to be able to tell their stories and their pains and their frustrations. And if you become known as a good listener and somebody that answers or that asks really good questions and engages with what they're saying, you're going to learn tons, but they're also going to have an immense amount of respect for you. And they're going to want to know naturally more about you. So I wanted to give you a couple tips on how to become a good listener. Um, Number one is just stop talking. You know, you may ask a question and then just be quiet because, and it's, it's really hard to do that, especially if you're a conversationalist, but to just really listen to them and have them, they'll, they will just talk your ear off because most people don't listen. And if you can, in the back of your mind, sort of keep a checklist of the main things that they mention to you, that's going to be worth its weight in gold when you go to create content. Um, my second tip is to actually stay engaged with what they're saying. Don't let your brain float off into la la land or looking around to see who else is at the party, but really stay engaged. Keep, um, eye contact, or if you're doing this virtually, you know, just stay engaged with the conversation and continue a conversation until it feels like it's finished. And, um, that will work wonders for, because most people will, you know, answer a quick question and then move on. But if you can be that person that engages that conversation until it feels like it's finished or they have their answer, they're going to be like, Ooh, who is that person? They actually wanted to help me. And, um, so staying engaged and daydreaming later is a really, is a really great tip for being a good listener. Also, if you can ask open-ended questions, and that's not necessarily a skill that comes naturally to us, um, but you don't want to answer questions or ask questions that are yes or no. And so you might want to do a little bit of prep work or practice this and, you know, figure out how you can ask those open-ended questions um, and have maybe like two or three in your arsenal so that you, um, you're ready and you're prepared and you can, and you're not caught off guard. You know, you don't want to ask, how old are your kids? Instead, you want to you want to ask a question like, um, what activities are your kids most interested in right now? Um, you know, things like that, because then they can answer and they have more words. And so when you're out networking and meeting people and even, you know, in everyday conversation, it's good. It's a good um, tactic to practice. 
And then a great way to remember <clears throat> or to um, to remember key information. I um, sometimes struggle with remembering people's names. And if I can have a conversation with somebody and they introduce themselves, I'll repeat their name back to them. And then, you know, try to create like a, a funny scenario in my head around it or somehow remember that. But if you can repeat back to them the things that you have heard them say um, and you get in the habit of that, one, it's going to solidify it in your own mind. So when you're trying to remember it later, it'll come to you. But two, it's going to tell them, it's going to immediately put a flag up that says, hey, they are really listening. They repeated back to me what I just said. And when you can do that, uh, you have a much higher um, propensity of gaining their trust and being able to continue that conversation later. And then last but not least in this area, you know, part of being a good listener is remembering. And so any kind of notes from that conversation, uh, especially questions that they might have asked that you can document in your little story documentation system that you set up um, are going to be invaluable for you create for you to create content and also to follow up with that person later if you choose to, um, even if it's just a, a quick note or a Facebook message that says, hey, I was thinking about our conversation. And I realized that there's a lot of other people that struggle with that question you asked me. So I went ahead and did some research and created this piece of content. I would love for you to check it out. Let me know if you like it. And if you send that message to somebody, they're going to be like, what? They created a piece of content around me. Um, they're going to love you. And not only will they probably go read it, um, more than likely they will go read it. But they will also share that piece of content because they're super excited about sharing it with other people because you answered their specific question. Number eight, this is really important regardless of where you are in your business, but especially when it comes to content, you really need to research what your competitors are doing. Not because you want to go copy them. Please don't go copy them. That's a really bad idea. But because you want to see what's resonating with their audience, even if you don't have the exact audience, you can get some pretty good ideas of content that is relative to your industry. Um, there are some great ways to go do some research. Number one is you can go, especially if you have a product, you can go on Amazon and look at reviews. Um, but even with business books, like if you have a certain area that like, say you're in architecture, if you go and pull up the top 20 architecture books that are selling on Amazon right now and start reading the reviews, you're going to, you're going to be able to investigate, um, you know, questions or issues or um, things that people really liked, you're going to, you're going to get a good feel for what the industry is, um, is going through at that time. So for example, if you're um, interested in architecture, maybe you want to go look up Joanna Gaines new book, Magnolia, and just see, you know, what are people saying about that? Because even though it's not architecture, it's still in that arena of, you know, home and, and they do do some architectural things because her husband does the building and, you know, they do the moving, but that might be a arena that you go look at is, you know, what are they putting out there for content? Are they, and what, you know, is it just their style or is that the style that is being embraced by the public right now? Um, so you're going to learn a lot from those Amazon reviews. You would, you'll also learn a lot from different blog comments. So if you have a piece of content that your competitors put out and it has, you know, tons of comments or shares, go and read that, go and see, you know, what is it that they're putting out that 
you need to be aware of um, that maybe isn't on your radar and go and um, and do a little bit of, uh, you know, researching on what's resonating, what's not. Maybe they're creating a bunch of content. And nobody's looking at it. And so uh, that that's also an indicator that that's not probably a piece of content that you want to um, investigate further. Same goes with social media content um, comments and shares and likes and all of that. If you have a piece of content that people are really engaging with well, specifically if it's on a platform that most of your ideal clients are on, um, that might be something to pay attention to and to see, you know, the way that they're in, engaging with their audience, if they're getting, if they're finding success that way. Um, you know, what are they talking about? What's getting people riled up? Um, what, what are people really interested in? Um, and then also, you know, you want to look at their, um, their content, just go look at, you know, are they creating blog posts or videos or what? Um, I do this a lot with, um, people that I admire not to copy what they're doing. I try, I try very hard to not, um, ever replicate, but just to get ideas, you know, uh, a lot of times I'll be, um, listening to, or I'll watch a video and I have a lot of little quick tutorial videos that I watch, but I really like to go look and see, you know, what are people saying? You know, what are they questioning? What are they asking? Did they get their questions answered? Um, how is the um, host of that video or that Facebook Live handling those questions? Or are they not handling it? Because that'll give you some really good insight into uh, ways that you can serve that audience and um, that they are missing, if that makes sense. And then last but not least, don't be afraid to go look at people's websites. Um, a lot of times I go and look at websites and, um, I think, God, why do people buy from these people? It's so confusing. I don't even know what to do over here. And that isn't a rip on them, but that's, you know, that is actually a really good indicator that that might be an area that they don't excel in, but it's something I do excel in. And so I need to talk about that and I need to, because if I'm frustrated with it, I would imagine their buyers and the people that are, um, they're trying to generate as leads are also frustrated. So just looking at those um, situations and circumstances and looking at it from the perspective of not as much judgment, but more um, curiosity and being curious about how you could serve differently than what they're serving, but also being aware of what they're talking about that's resonating. And then last but not least, if you go to conferences, I usually go to about two or three conferences a year that are industry specific or in um, areas that I need to expand my knowledge. And everybody's been to conferences and there are a couple different reasons or you know reasons to choose a conference. One is you wanna learn some more about industry, but two could be you wanna network with the people that are there. But you'll see that you know there are keynote speeches, so you can actually, without even going to the conference, go and look at the keynotes and see what's being presented. And then if you are at the conference, um, take a walk around the different breakout sessions because usually if you go um, to a conference, you know, everybody will choose certain breakout sessions. Well, the ones that are super pop popular, those are topics that are of interest. And um, especially if you go to a conference that is of your, uh, filled with your ideal client and your target market, um, the 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 um, <clears throat> sessions that are most full are the ones that are requiring 
more answers. So if you're aware of, you know, those popular sessions and the um, popular topics that maybe you'll see repeated again and again at different conferences, that is an area that people are struggling with because if they weren't, they wouldn't bring those um, speakers on to talk about it. So just going out and doing some research on, you know, what's being presented, uh, which are the most popular uh, topics that are being signed up for and um, attended. And then also, you know, if you go to a conference and something is missing, like you see this big gaping hole in your industry that nobody's talking about, that could also be an area of content for you to create. So there you have it, nine different ways to create content that is actually wanted and consumable and that will lead to higher engagement. And I'm just gonna go through the list really quick. I'm gonna go backwards. So number nine was to research different conferences. Number eight was to research your competitors. Number seven was to become a great listener. Number six was to keep a running document of different story ideas. Number five is if you aren't getting traction, I gave you some tips on how to get some more traction. Number four was to analyze your currently popular content and the con your most popular content. Number three was to create surveys or to somehow survey your audience so you know what they want. Number two was to, um, I gave you several tools to identify content that could be missing in your industry and your area of expertise. And number one is to know very specifically who your audience is. So thanks so much for tuning in this week. I really appreciate you. If you have comments, questions, or you just want to reach out, you can find me on Instagram at Elisa M. Connor. If you've enjoyed this episode and you got something out of it and you are implementing it or sharing it with a friend, I would love to know that as well. If you enjoy the podcast and you tune in every week, I would love for you to subscribe. And if you have time, I'd love a review on iTunes as well. Thanks again for tuning in. Next week, we have a brand new episode and we are, I am talking about, I don't know why I keep saying we, um, I am talking about using customer service as your secret weapon. So tune in next week to get some tips on customer service and how to deliver an exceptional experience. Until then, make it a great week and I'll see you soon. Take care. Just a reminder, don't forget to sign up for my free training to create your irresistible download. Everybody wants a great free download. Why shouldn't you have one too? Grow and build your email list so you can get more clients by joining me on my free training at alisaconnor.com forward slash create my freebie. I'll see you soon.